Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, as I look around, everyone in here has been alive long enough to have highs and lows in their life. If you think about it, I mean, I think about my life from when I was a little kid onward, thinking about even days like Christmas, how you open up gifts and you're elated. And then I've, I had a brother who was one year older than me. I could get into a fight with him later on that day and go through a bad time. And so in one day, you can go through highs and lows. And I've thought about throughout my life how you can have days where you experience highs and lows or weeks or even months that you can go through highs and lows in your life. I mean, I remember periods in my life where I had great times with my parents and we had tremendous tensions in our relationship, particularly in those teenage years. And I can say the same thing for those of you that had have had children when your kids were teenagers, some of the tensions that you had with your kids. That we all go through these highs and lows. That we have a roller coaster ride through life, and we sometimes kid ourselves in believing that it should all be easy, that it should all be good. And when we get into that, that kind of mindset, it catches us off guard. What is it that leads us to believe that it should always be easy, that it should always be comfortable, that it should always be good? Because that's not reality. It's not life. And that's what I think Jesus was trying to teach the apostles. You know, I think about, I I play golf on Thursdays. That's like my Thursday, my day off practice. It is rare when I don't play golf on Thursdays. Even when it's thunder, you know, thunderstorms, I wait for those opportunities. Because I so look forward to it. And if I don't play golf on Thursdays, it's a bad day. But even on Thursdays, you know, I can have a good nine holes, a bad nine holes. I can have two good shots in a row and then a bad shot. I can look like a professional golfer for about three shots in a row and then a duffer. You know, it's amazing how that can happen to us. And how we can get sent into a funk by something as simple as that. What for you represents something that's good and something that's not? And something that will cause you a tailspin, something that will upset your day, your week. You know, if you've gone through the, the suffering or the loss of a loved one, the grief and the roller coaster ride of the grief that you experience. This week in particular, I think, brings that to mind with the church calendar. You know, because... 
if you just heard the readings, today is that day we focus on the transfiguration of Jesus, and Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. When we begin that season of Lent, and we think about, you know, that penitential season, when some people will give up, for example, wine or chocolate, you know, those really rough things we do in life. Some people might even fast. It brings to mind what we say on Ash Wednesday. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, which is what we hear every Ash Wednesday. And actually, the day before is supposed to set us up for that. Does anyone know what the day before is called, Ash Wednesday? Shrove Tuesday. Some people know it by name. Some people aren't sure what it means, but it has to do with being shriven. You know, where you get skinny. But that's because Shrove Tuesday, what you're supposed to do is eat a bunch of pancakes and get fat. You know, so that you can uh, put on all this weight so that when you fast during Lent which not a lot of people do now, you lose that weight. And even when people fast during Lent, it has little to do with a spiritual discipline and more to do with it's a good time to lose weight because summer's coming and I'm going to put on a swimsuit, you know? But why do we do that? Really? Is it really to think about that we are to struggle, that we do suffer, that Jesus suffered. See, because even with his apostles, they got fooled into believing what Jesus was supposed to do as the Messiah. If you were to look in chapter 16, the chapter that precedes this transfiguration passage that we read, Peter makes his declaration, you are the Messiah, the Christ. And what they're anticipating with that is they are going to be the conquerors. They're going to be his princes. They're going to be at his right hand and left hand. And everything is going to be great for eternity. And right after Peter's declaration, Jesus says, and I must suffer and die, which he alludes to even right after the transfiguration. And they're totally caught off guard. And then he says, and you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself. And they're really caught off guard because this makes no sense to what they're anticipating the Messiah should be and would be about. So they're pondering that. And he takes Peter, James, and John his three special apostles, his three intimates, up on the mountain with him, and he's transfigured. And they're probably thinking, this is what it's about. Now we've arrived. Now we see the true Messiah. And so now we've ridden the roller coaster to the top. But then it changes again. Because then they go down into the valley down with the rest of the apostles, and the first thing that Jesus discovers, and they discover, 
is that the apostles were trying to deliver this young boy from a demon. They were ineffective. And Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long must I bear with you? And they're back right into the mess of the world and the reality of life. And they're probably wondering, what does all this mean? Because if Jesus really is the Messiah, shouldn't it all be easy? Shouldn't it all be comfortable? And Jesus is trying to show them, not in this life. Not in this world. And we need to be realistic about that. That Jesus came to be with us. Jesus came to equip us. Jesus came to send His Holy Spirit. But when we live in this world, it's messy. That's reality. And how do we deal with that? But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's talk about the transfiguration. Because I do want to focus on that. This word transfiguration is a really interesting word. Because if you were to look in the Greek, and I don't know how many of you can be Greek for mo- or read Greek, but for most of you probably it's all Greek to you. But if you could read Greek, it's really fascinating because in the Greek New Testament, the word here for transfiguration, and if you were to jump ahead to Romans 12 too, that's that passage that we are called to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, and that we're to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That word transformed, we are called to be transformed. The word for transfigured and the word for transformed is the same word. Interesting. And let me tell you what the word is. This is great. It's metamorphosis. Remember what metamorphosis is about? It's about the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The same word. I love that. Because that's what we're supposed to be about. And when they were looking at Jesus, you know, this is the Jesus that when he came, Philippians 2 talks about this, he came to empty himself. And what he emptied himself was his glory. So that they could be with him, so that they could see him. Because when he took on his glory, his heavenly presence, he was so illumined that they could barely be in his presence. They couldn't look upon him. It would be like, just to draw an analogy, just so you begin to get the idea, if you were staring at a light bulb, I just happen to have one. If you were staring at a light bulb and someone turned it on, what would happen? You, you, you couldn't look at it. And it says that Jesus' face was brighter than the sun. Can you imagine? They would have to do this. They couldn't bear to look at Him because His glory shown so much. 
That's why he had to empty himself. But where to get the idea? Jumping ahead to Romans 12.2. That when we're in his presence, something's supposed to happen to us that some of that we bear. Because we're in his presence. That this transfiguration, when he takes on his heavenly presence... When he reveals his true self, that glory, something happens to us. And something happened to Peter, James, and John. They caught a glimpse. And not only did they catch a glimpse of Jesus as Messiah, then you've got Moses and Elijah, the two stars of the Old Testament. I mean, there were a bunch of stars in the Old Testament, but then you've got the two big stars the biggest. You've got Moses who brought the covenant, the law, the covenant by which they live, guides their life. The summary of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbors yourself. Who was in the very presence of God on the mountain. Who were told when he came down the mountain, glowed with that same glory. Who when he met with the Lord in the, temp, in the tent, the tabernacle, that he glowed with the presence of God. The very glory we're talking about because he was in God's presence. This Moses that in Deuteronomy 34, at the end of the five books, The first five books, the books of Moses. They were told that he just went up the mountain as Israel was crossing into the promised land and apparently just went into the presence of the Lord. We don't know exactly how he died and what that looks like. But that he went to be with the Lord. Fast forward, Elijah. Elijah considered to be the greatest of the prophets, that the Lord used him in mighty ways to deal with the apostasy of the land, to confront kings, to do incredible miracles. And then when he was taken up to the Lord in a fiery chariot, in a whirlwind, They were told in Malachi chapter 4, or as I love to say, the Italian prophet Malachi, that that in, in Malachi it says, Elijah must come. That's how important Malachi was. That, that John the Baptist was that Elijah, the last of the great prophets, the Old Testament type of prophet. To herald the coming of the Messiah. And that's the two that was with the Messiah. The fulfilling of the law and the prophets. And these three apostles are privileged to see all three of these. And Jesus, the Messiah, in His glory... This is an awesome moment. 
in a moment that tells us this is what the people of Israel and the whole world has been waiting for, the fulfillment of God's promise. The promise, the promise in Deuteronomy that said a prophet like Moses would come. The prophecy that actually goes back to Genesis that God would deliver sinful humankind because of what Adam and Eve did as early as Genesis chapter 3. And this is the fulfillment that God has sent His Son. What a blessing. And the confirmation then comes from the Father. This is my Son, the Beloved. This is it. This is what you've been waiting for. You're not fully comprehending what's going on, but this is what you've been waiting for. The law, the prophets, and the Messiah. Now you see. And you won't fully comprehend until later, but you've got the picture. But he says something at the very end of that sentence that's really significant. Listen to him. Listen to him. If you really understand for a Jew what that means, that means take this into your person. This is meant to be intimate knowledge. This is meant to be take it into your very being. So that as much as Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only, I only do what I hear the Father say. That this is intimate knowledge that's to be taken into your very being. That's why when we celebrate what Jesus has done and we take in the bread and the wine, that's meant to, to imitate what we're talking about here. We take this into our very being. It becomes a part of us. That's the listening. When the Father says, listen, take this in. Make this true for you. Live into this. So that you understand the full impact for your life. But you've got to love Peter. What does Peter do? You think I want to go back down to that mess? Let's set up some booths here. Let's just stay. See, there it is. That's what we all want. We all want the good times. We want the weekend. We don't want Monday. Right? Let's just stay. This is safe. This is perfect. See, we don't get it. Because that's not what this life is about. That's what Peter wants. That's what we all want. But you've got to love Peter because, you know, Peter speaks first and then thinks later. He wants the glory. He wants to stay in the glory. It's just like when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and says, I want that. Right? I want to come out on the water. I want that. I want to do that. And then his eyes get diverted from the Lord. And what's he do? Starts sinking because he focuses on the storm. See, when the mess happens... Peter gets afraid. And I love what Jesus says. Even while the good time's happening, Jesus says it. So you remember, don't be afraid. 
Because that's when we get in trouble, when our eyes and our hearts get fixed on the storm and the fear. That's when it happens. Why is it sometimes when things are going well, we say, oh, when's the other shoe going to fall, right? We start to worry even in the good times, right? We just have to know life is filled with ups and downs. That's life. See, but the key, the key, the most, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The most frequent command in Scripture, don't fear. 365 times, don't fear. Do not be afraid, do not be anxious, don't fear. That's what He wants for us. Trust Him. That's why the promise of this glory You know, I've said, that, I've said to Meredith on more than one occasion, and let me explain what I'm about to say. I don't smell the roses well. I don't smell the roses well. When something good happens, I can momentarily enjoy it, but I move on. And there's probably lots of reasons for that. Probably part of it is my personality. Probably part of it is my background. Probably part of it is I'm like Peter. I'll stick my foot in my mouth really fast. Probably part of it is my own human frailty. Probably part of it is that I deal with the ups and downs in people's lives so frequently. I don't have time to really sit back and enjoy I don't know exactly why. But it usually ends up being momentary. But I'll tell you why I also think part of it is. I used to be really ambitious in terms of worldly success. And I learned that's not where it is. See, when we seek our own glory... That we want to shine with our own light? That's a problem. But when we want to shine with the reflected light of Jesus Christ, that's different. Because we're in His presence, like Moses, like the apostles. Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that it doesn't matter whether we go through the ups and downs of life. We live with His peace and we live with His joy and we share His love. That we don't dwell in fear. That we're able to deal with the mess in life. And we, whenever we go out into the mess of the world... That we take His presence and we take His hope. The hope of the Gospel. No matter where we go. That's the key.
Because we know the cross of Good Friday and the pain. But we also know the resurrection and the power. And it's the cross that took care of our sin and has the power over death. And it's the resurrection that we have the confidence and we have the Holy Spirit. This life is messy. This world is messy. And it's a roller coaster ride. Lent is coming up. You might give up something. You might even take on something. But I hope you set aside time for prayer. And you think about His glory. And you think about reflecting His glory in your countenance. And that you take His glory with you into the mess of your own life and into the world. And you learn to live with His fruit, no matter what, His love in your life that you rest in and you share. And His peace that passes understanding no matter what the roller coaster is doing. And the joy. Let's pray. Lord, this world is a messy place, and our lives sometimes get messy. And the world often tells us to go for the glory, but it's often our own that we go after. Lord, help us to live for you, to walk with you, and to seek your glory. To walk by your spirit, in the power of your spirit. That we might be your vessels. That we might bear your fruit. Until we see you face to face. Because that's when there is no pain and no sorrow and no struggle and no mess. Until then. Until then. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.